Hi everyone and welcome along to episode 3 of the Celtic View podcast. I'm Ryan Marr and as ever I'm joined by our Celtic View editor Paul Cuddihy. Um, we're going to be looking back on all the action from the weekend's games and looking ahead to a very, very big week with that Champions League draw coming, coming up on Thursday. Paul, first of all, how are you? How was your weekend? It was very good. Uh, as always, Celtic did well. We're at uh, top of the table, two-point lead, so no complaints. Yep, yep. Have you got a, a moment of the weekend from, from either of the three games? I mean, it's it's hard not to pick Robbie Nielsen's post-match uh, <laughs> press conference just to... Uh, uh, just for the nonsense that he spoke. I mean, it's, it always amazes me that uh, managers, I know they're unhappy that they lose. I mean, they were second best throughout the game and we deserve to win. But it doesn't matter if you make two fouls or 22 fouls. If those two fouls are bad fouls, then you're going to get cards for them. And if the 22 fouls are not bad fouls, you're not going to... So it doesn't... His logic was, was absolute nonsense. And so the two players got deserved two yellow cards each, so I don't know what his complaints were. Um, so it's it's always good to beat Hearts, to be fair, and you know just the fact that we're now two points clear at the top of the table, uh, it was very pleasing. Yeah, well, I mean I've got to be honest, I was away over the weekend, so I wasn't at the stadium watching the match. You were there. What was the atmosphere like on Sunday? What was it like to to be there, and, and what was the game like overall? It was. I mean, I think the manager said after the game it wasn't maybe a free flowing best, but I think. You know, I felt we were in control. You know, we got the early goal, great goal from Kyogo, another brilliant assist from Maeda. Um, and it, it just, you kind of felt, even in commentary with uh, Tom Boyd and I felt, that if we just got the second goal probably earlier, then we would have maybe gone on. Hearts had a lot of changes, given the fact that in the Europa League. But actually, the players that came in, probably from their point of view, actually did quite well. And they kind of stifled the game. The very physical team, as we know, um, and that ultimately was their undoing as well. I never felt at any point that we were in any threat. They had one or two chances. But I think defensively we looked really solid. I think that the back four just now, I think uh, Moritz Jens has just come in. He had a great chance actually to score another goal. He's third in, in consecutive games. But I think he's already forming a really nice partnership with Cameron and Carter Vickers. Um, so I think we were looking really solid. And again, you saw the bench as well, the manager able to bring on the likes of Patate, um, Yakimakis who, who scores again, Abada, so, you know, freshens the team up, you know, and it keeps the opposition on their toes. Um, it's not it's not going to be one of those games when we look back at the end of the season and it'll be a stick out, but these are important games to win. Three points, clean sheet, and we're just taking advantage of other teams' slip-ups. Is that a sign at the moment of how well we are actually playing that a 2-0 win at home to Hearts, who were the third best team in the country last season. People are coming away, not disappointed, but you, you might be expecting a little bit more. I, I'm not sure if it's even, I don't think it's disappointment or you're expecting more. I think because because of the way that the team's been playing football for the last year since the managers came in, I mean, you're going to games and I mean some of the football we've seen has been absolutely brilliant and you're, you're going away and it's you're thinking this is this is great and as I said to you the, the manager said maybe we weren't at a free flowing best but I think what this team does now is they you know they keep the ball they keep possession they keep pressing you know we got a goal late on which kind of shows you that they, they just never stop and even when things aren't you know not everything's clicking into place but we still look too strong for, for the opposition so no, I enjoyed it as I say I mean, whether it's here or at Tencastle, I, I do like beating Hearts. <laughs> but that's also a sign of the the strength of the group at the moment in terms of the, the players that are coming off the bench, that they're so hungry to make an impact to try and get back into the, the starting 11, that that's pushing the levels even further in the group. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I always go back to the way we were this time last year. You know, when you think, I think of our first seven league games, we only won three, we lost three and we drew one. And, you know, externally the, the talk was of a crisis and, you know, you think of the way that once the manager got the squad that he wanted, once he got the players that he wanted, and over the course of the season we just built and built, playing the way he wanted to play and, and we got the benefits of that. But a year on, the squad's stronger, they know how the manager wants to play, they know the system. And I think to your point, just about every position, there's, there's competition now. So it, even if people are playing well, that sometimes Jerry and, and Simon in the Celtic TV studio on Saturday and Sunday were joking about Kyogo's our first half goal scorer and Yakimakis <laughs> is our second half goal scorer. And lo and behold, that's what happened. But that's what you've got two strikers, for example, who are just potent up front and then when you add in everyone else there it's it's a really strong squad just now yeah let's talk about the goal scorers Kyogo getting his second goal uh, for the season is he starting to get back to his best that we saw at the first half of last season because he looked so sharp on Sunday yeah I mean it was interesting at the time when the goal went in it was a great move and as I say I think Maida just knew if he put that ball into the six yard box Kyogo was going to be there and at first I was saying you know Obviously, I, I've never played the game, but I'm thinking <laughs> you would mark the guy who's going to score the goals, and he seemed to have acres of space. But I think that's more the fact he's so difficult to mark because his movement is is so good that even players that think that they they've got a hold of him or they know where he is, next minute he suddenly pops up. Um, and I think he, he, I think when you watch him as well, he makes so many runs that the ball doesn't always come to him. And then he just gets back into position and makes the run again and gets back into position and makes the run again. So he's always giving the players an option and then when they put the ball to him, he finishes. So he's he started really well. I mean, I thought he had a brilliant season obviously last year and then we missed him for three months as well. So having him up front, but then also having the Akimakis who come on and can offer a different a different type of player. He set up uh, Jens for that chance just with a wee layoff. His strength is great. But then when the ball just goes in the box, I mean, we've talked about it before, it's one-touch goal. And that's, <laughs> I, I think that's brilliant. And I love, you know, everybody loves spectacular goals. I, I do love goals that are just bundled in inside the six-yard box because it means your striker's there. He knows where the ball is. He knows where the goal is. And, and I think Yakimakis is really, really good at that. Mm-hmm. Actually doing Kyogo this service. He scored three goals this season. So, sorry, Kyogo, if you're, if you're watching this. In terms of both of the strikers, Kyogo and Yakimakis, Yakimakis hasn't started a, a game yet this season in the league. How do you expect the manager to use both of those options this season? Do you think we might ever see the two of them together or do you think it's going to be one or the other? Well, I think we did. We, we saw them briefly together. They put uh, Ross two, County, two yeah. players on. Um, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's a nice problem that manager has. And I think if one thing that, that even as fans that we learned from last season is that you know, over the course of the season, the whole squad's going to be used because you can't legislate for injuries, for example, or um, you know, a player comes in and you know plays to such an extent that you just can't leave them out. So I think the whole squad will be required because just now, we've said it before, it's almost the calm before the storm that we're, we're just playing one game a week, which is great because that means then they've got a full week on the training pitch to work towards the game. As soon as the, well, from next week, from the, the League Cup tie away to Ross County, it's going to be three games in the space of a week so even if there is an idea of playing a certain player in a certain position that's a lot of games so you're going to you're going to find it's maybe some some games Kyogo might start Yakimakis might start so I, I have no idea that you know you, you kind of just 
I think as fans, you just always put your faith in the manager, and, and you know he's he's been <laughs> exemplary so far, and I'm, I'm sure that will continue. And whoever's playing uh, will give absolutely everything. Do you expect both of those guys to better their goals tally from last season, the way they've started this year? Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I think it's you know obviously Kyogo's got the World Cup to look forward to as well, so he'll be wanting to to be playing and, and be informed for for when Japan go to play in Qatar. I, I think. I think you saw it last season, Yakimakis, as soon as he got fully fit and he was into the rhythm of the team. What I like about him is that whether he does start or whether he comes on, I think, again, when you're just watching the game and when the manager makes the changes, I think you know, his fans are just wanting the players to make an impact. And he's, he's, he's an impact substitute as well. You know, He comes on and you know put the ball in the box and he's going to score, and, and that's great. So I think both of them will be invaluable, but I'm sure they'd be the first to say... So all the guys around them that are, that are putting the balls into the box for them to score. That's the top end of the park in terms of the the back of the park and defensively. I think Hearts had a shot in target on Sunday. How impressed have you been so far with the way that we've been working defensively in that partnership at the moment with Carter Vickers and Jens? Yeah, I mean it's. I mean obviously uh, Carol Staffel was injured at the start of the season, so he he missed out, and that was a great partnership that we had last season. Stephen Welsh came in and did well, and then Morris Shens has joined, and he's he's just kind of fitted seamlessly into the squad. I do think it's helped him the fact that his friend Matt O'Reilly's here. I think just for any new player, he's quite a young player coming to a different country, different team, different style of play. But to have somebody who he's kind of grown up with, who's already here and is is absolutely thriving in this environment, I think that's helped him settle in. You know, from talking to him, he's very confident. Um, but I think when you see on the pitch, he's, he's that way as well. And I think it helps. I mean, I think sometimes you forget how young Cameron Carter-Vickers still is. Because <laughs> he plays as if he's been playing the game for about 20 years. He's And he's just a, a, he's so impressive, whether it's winning the ball in the air, his pace to mop up at the back, on the ball. So I think that's, you know, he, he seems to be a stick on and it's whoever plays alongside him. I think the two fullbacks, you know, I think Greg Taylor started exceptionally well. Um, but the two of them... Down, down the flanks have been really good and it's kind of that I suppose the, the consistency of, of the selection as well it's been the same defence for the last three games I think and behind them you've got Joe Hart who we've spoke about it before has it's been a great signing for us I mean you're, for me you're talking about you know a top top goalkeeper in football and, and we've got him and he just seems to be a loving life at Celtic Yeah everything's looking positive at the moment next up We've got Dundee United away on Sunday. A place in Tanadice. We've got some pretty good memories last season. I think we won won there twice. We obviously won the league there with that with that game in May. What do you expect from going into that game? Because Dundee United, as much as they had the, that positivity about beating AZ Alkmaar at Tanadice, things haven't really been going too well from at the moment. Lost again at the weekend, 3-0 at home to St Mirren. So do you think with Celtic coming to town, that can push them forward and make that more difficult of a game or do you think that the way they've been playing we should still take care of them pretty easily? I mean, I think regardless of how Dundee United are playing, I think we would go to Tannadice confident of winning anyway. You know, they've lost 14 goals in the last three games and obviously there's a bit of fragility there just now. And I think when when you're playing a team like Celtic, I suppose for for them, they can look at it one or two ways. One is, this is a nightmare because you're playing the best team in the country who are just playing with confidence, they're winning games, they're scoring goals, creating chances, so that's a nightmare. 
But then I, I suppose the other way of looking at it is, well, this is the game where, you know, the expectations maybe aren't quite as high as they were when they were playing St Mirren last weekend. So just have a go, and if you could get a positive result, then that gives them a, a, a confidence boost. But I, I think it'll be too difficult for them. I think just now the way we are playing, and you know the fact again we'll get a full week to prepare for this game. I, I, I mean, I would fully expect us to go there. And, and as you said, last season we we put in some good performances there and got some good results, and I would expect the same again this weekend. Yeah, I remember speaking to Yakimakas a couple of weeks ago for the podcast, and. He was talking about how many goals he scored past Ben Seacrest last year. He scored three times up at Tanadise. And the fact that, the, that he's talking about he had such good memories of going up there, I think the players will probably go up there really, really confident and really spurred on to, to have another good performance. Yeah, and I think, as I say, because of the fragility of the United just now, um, I think it was always going to... I think the first game back after the 7-0 defeat in, in Holland was against Hearts at Tynecastle. That was always going to be difficult. The fact that they lost three 0 at home to St Mirren at the weekend—that would—that's probably more concerning result. And and for a team like that, that's maybe not confident at the moment. If they, they go a goal behind, particularly against a team like Celtic, who create chances and don't give you many chances, then it could be a long afternoon for them. But you, you know, they'll they'll not go into the game and just lie down. They'll they'll, they'll, they'll give it a goal, particularly since they're at home. But you know, I think their quality will will shine through in the end. The Celtic women's team were also in action on Sunday when they faced off against Spartans at home with a 4-0 win. Taylor Otto getting her first goal for the club, Chloe Craig scoring from the spot and Clarissa Larissey getting a double. Paul, how impressed have you been with the women's team so far this season? Because that continues at a 100% record in the league. Well, obviously, uh, Taylor Otto was just boosted by her appearance on the podcast last week and then, <laughs> and then just that, that gave her the confidence to go out and, and get a goal. And I think it was I think it was an important win because uh, Glasgow City and, Rain- and Rangers were both in Champions League action, and so it was important that we if we had the league game to get the points on the board. Obviously, they now have a game in hand, but it, you know if you just keep winning, and it's a good start as you say, it's a good start to the season. And I think we spoke last week that Spartans are often have often been tricky opponents for us. That you know that they've, they've maybe frustrated us of sometimes taking points off us. So. I think it was it was important that that we got off to a good start, which we did, um, and and again another clean sheet. So I think Fran Alonso had said after the game that it probably could have been more. We created a lot of chances, which obviously is pleasing for him. But to get the four goals, say first goal for Taylor Otto, and then Clarissa Larissey, another couple of goals. She's changed the position this season. We spoke about it before that she's playing through the middle um, because Charlie Wellings has left, and she seems to be absolutely thriving on it and I don't know whether in her head she's just thought right, oh, well if uh, Charlie Wellen scored 40 goals last season then I'm going to try and get 40 this season but she's certainly started the season very well and, and you know a good win for them and that's all they can do is just keep winning and it just even until the other teams come back and get that game in hand it just gives them that wee gap at the top of the table yeah I need to say there's definitely not a curse in this podcast because after we spoke to Yakimakis he got his first goal after that and then the same's happened with, with Taylor Otto so we need to we need to pick our next guest appropriately so that's going to be a selling point for getting yeah. something in the podcast <laughs> yeah you can't turn it down after that can you you need, you need to get yourself on get Joe Hart on and see what happens <laughs> but you said that there was quite a lot of change in the summer with the women's team you know, Charlie Wellings leaving with all the goals that she scored a lot of bodies came in as well but every single one of them so far has fitted into the team and so far 
have improved the team and you know the likes of Clarissa, Clarissa Larissa coming in going into that striking position and she started the season on fire so it's just a really really positive vibe around the women's team at the moment yeah and I, th I think I mean, it obviously comes from winning games and as we mentioned before I think maybe one of the key signings um, is Lisa Robertson well she was still a, a Celtic player but she spent the season on loan at Birmingham last year I think her coming back in Apart from what she brings on the pitch, I just think her experience within a squad that's, you know, quite a lot of young players as well, maybe players just coming to the club, I think that's invaluable, having her just in the, in the centre of the park, but also within that, that group. So I think she's she's key as well. And it seems to be a nice mix of, of kind of youth experience, like Chloe Craig, who scored the penalty at the weekend, Kelly Clark, the captain, Lisa Robertson, they're all very experienced. And then you add in some other players who, who are bringing something fresh to the team. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's really positive. The big tests are still to come, obviously, because Rangers and Glasgow City are the, the two big teams that are going to you know, really push us this season. But I think if we can go into those games on the back of a kind of run of, of wins, that gives you confidence that you can, you can get something from those games. Yeah, and they travelled to Motherwell on Sunday to, to take them on. Again, another opportunity to get a win and to continue to the fact you're talking about Rangers and Glasgow City didn't play at the weekend. So to keep that lead at the top of the league must be a really amazing opportunity for them for when those games do come around. Yeah, I mean, I think the Motherwell game will be quite tricky. I think they, they seem to be quite a well-organised team. I think they had a good... I think they beat Hibs 3-2 at the weekend. So they've, they've actually... They seem to have improved. So that'll be quite a tricky game. And uh, interestingly, you know, we often talk in, in terms of the men's game of the, the challenge of playing uh, midweek European football in the, the weekend domestically. And that's something that um, Rangers, for example, they're still in Europe, so they, they're going to have to adapt to that if they get through into the Champions League group stage, which is obviously progress for them, but then they're playing the midweek and then the weekend, so how, how do they deal with that? But, I mean, Fran Alonso will just be saying to his team, we just need to keep winning. As I say, it's a, it's a tough game at the weekend, but, you know, we win that. And just you just take, you know, as a cliche, and I'm sure they say it all the time, one game at a time, but just, you know, you start the season well and just keep building the momentum. It was a triple header on Sunday for the Celtic teams as the B team were also in action as they travelled away to play Hearts B, drawing 1-1, Ben Summers getting the opening goal in the first half before Hearts equalised. Paul, just in terms of the B team's start to the season, they've played seven games, they've won three, they've got two draws, been a little bit up and down so far in terms of the results. What do you think for them would be a successful season this year? I mean, it's... It's hard to quantify that because because obviously even if they win the league they're, they're not going to get promoted they don't get they, they're not part of that pyramid system and ultimately the reason why we're in that league is to give these players experience that they can hopefully then take with them when they make the step up to the first team so the idea is in replicating what the first team do in terms of the style that we play but then also the way we train every day so that Although it's always going to be a step up for these young guys when they do start even training with the first team, then they're more familiar with the training methods, what the sort of things that are going to be doing, and then ultimately if they do get a game with the first team, they know the system. So it's important that they do that, but also within that, ideally you're breeding that winning culture because that's that's all part and parcel of being a Celtic player. So you're having to compete against teams that you know are maybe stronger, more experienced than you obviously want to beat you because you're Celtic so every game is a learning experience and ultimately I think that's it's all part of their development and is, I, I do think it's such a positive thing that they're 
you know they're not the way maybe it was for a few seasons where they were just playing games here and there against other development squads this is actually proper competitive football and every game brings with it its own challenge and I think just it helps them hopefully develop as as footballers and maybe over the next two or three years you'll start to see maybe some of these young guys who have had a couple of seasons in the Lowland League coming into the first team squad and I'm sure if they do then when we're interviewing them that'll be one of the, the things that they'll cite as being beneficial to their development. Yeah, but they've got two games this week. They play Livingston B on Wednesday in the SPFL Trust Trophy before they play the LBT Star at the weekend as well. In terms of that game in Wednesday night, Paul, they had a, a very impressive result in the first round. This is now going into the second round. Is this a real opportunity for them to, to kind of showcase themselves? If they can get through this, you could end up getting a team from the Championship, League One, or one of the sort of the Irish or the Welsh teams that come into the competition as well. That's a real opportunity for them to kind of showcase themselves against some of the other teams in Scotland. Absolutely. And also, again, to go back to that whole idea of, of breeding a winning mentality, it's a cup competition, so it's, it's a winner-take-all tie. They must think they've got a good chance because they're, you know, they're playing they're kind of their, their counterparts at Livingston. So it's, you know, the previous round they were playing Albion Rovers, so that was a step up and, and they passed that test. So I think that's, you know, they're still playing in the, the style of football that, the manager wants Celtic team to play in but they want to win that game and as you say that the longer they're in that competition then the, the higher the standard of, of opposition and that that can only be a good thing so I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they'll get past this round. Yeah, uh, Paul you had the chance yesterday to sit down and speak with one of the cast members of the Celtic musical which we're going to showcase a little bit of that interview now. I just wonder if you could introduce who you're speaking to and what you were talking about. It wasn't just one of the cast members, it was actually the, the writer of the, the Celtic the musical. It's a guy called Nicky Alt who is a, a playwright, uh, lover puddling. He wrote um, a brilliant, effectively the same idea for Liverpool. Um, it wasn't called Liverpool the musical but it was a, a brilliant show and we'd come down to see it and in the back of that, he he wrote Celtic the Musical, which a lot of people have already seen. It's had a, two or three runs up in Glasgow, and it's coming back in September. I think it's the 15th to the 24th of September at the Glasgow SEC Armadillo. So we just caught up with him just to have a wee chat. He, he's obviously he's a mad Liverpool fan, but he loves Celtic as well. He loves everything about you know the ethos of the club, as you'll hear from this interview, and, and obviously just encouraging people which I would do because it's a brilliant show to, to come out and see it. Yeah definitely have a look to, to get your tickets for that but let's hear from Nicky now. Nicky Holt, welcome to the, the Celtic View podcast and I suppose we should start by just uh, introducing you. You're the, the man behind the words, behind the, the magical Celtic the musical which is about to return to the city again. Um, first of all just tell us how that came about, how your involvement with, with Celtic the musical first came about. Uh, the f first game about is I wrote a show for Liverpool Football Club and uh, the obvious uh, extension to that uh, when we had success with it is we thought the only one we'd really like to do was Celtic Football Club. It had a lot of music, uh, Irish diaspora, very similar story, very similar football clubs other than they're in different leagues. Uh, the story of the supporters and, and the music and, and it, there's not many football clubs that you can write a musical about. Uh, and when I looked into the the supporters and the songs that they had, there really was only Celtic. I don't think there's any other football club outside of Liverpool, uh, not even Everton, uh, for whatever reason. Some people say it's 
it has something to do with Shankly and the, co the old cop and stuff. But there's hardly any teams that have got that level of music and that level of story. So Celtic was the obvious one that I'd like to write. And also, I grew up hearing stories about the famous Celtic sides in the 60s of people in Liverpool. And they tell me, and as a kid, you know, that's subliminally it goes in. You don't have to be a Celtic supporter to hear those stories. Yeah, and obviously people can hear from your accent uh, what part of the, the world that you come from, and obviously your, your heart's uh, with Liverpool as well. But I know from having spoken to you and worked with you over the last few years that you have a, a strong affection for not just the club Celtic, but also the, the Celtic story and, and going back to the, the very roots of, of what we are and what we stand for. Well, I think people get very, very cynical. I think even you get Celtic supporters who can be cynical about what the club stands for. And from where I stand in Liverpool, Celtic stands for a lot of good stuff, especially the charity, why the club began, and the whole story of Celtic Football Club. I think when you're on top of it too much, we were talking about it just before this, is uh, I think you, you can take it on board too much. I think when you're outside of the Celtic story and you're in a place like Liverpool, a lot of people in Liverpool look to Celtic and go, well, that's a great story. This is a football club that was started by because of immigrants, because of poor people, for charity. And all the right reasons are there. And if sometimes that doesn't go, it goes a little bit pear-shaped, it doesn't go exactly how it started out, which is very difficult in today's world, uh, it's still there. The ethics of the club are still there. And so Celtic Football Club means a lot to a lot of people in Liverpool, which people here might be surprised about. Now, obviously, there'll be a lot of people who are watching this that have seen the musical before. They'll probably want to come back and see it again. If you haven't seen it, you have to go and see it because it's an incredible show. I was just wondering what that feels like as, as the writer, and you'll obviously have worked in rehearsals with all the actors, when you're standing at the back of the theatre and watching your words on stage, but then also the reaction of the Celtic supporters to it. It's a, it's a lovely feeling, isn't it? You, you, you'd be telling Fibs to say it's not a great feeling. Uh, and I will always remember the day when uh, Celtic beat Rangers, uh, last time the show was on in, in an early morning game, I think it was 4-0. And we had the matinee on the afternoon and I've never seen a theatre audience like it because I think the cast were literally scared to come on stage because they couldn't hear themselves think. So the ballad, your noise, and people, some people actually made it from the game. They, they jumped a taxi and like got in for the matinee. So uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a great, great thing. Uh, you know, it, it never, it's never not a buzz. It's always a buzz because it just means that the show you've written is a good show. Otherwise people wouldn't be standing and singing and cheering. So... I mean, I've been to a lot, I'm like you, Paul, a lot of, I like a lot of literary stuff. I can go and sit and watch and play, I can read a certain book. But this is a certain kind of audience, it's a certain kind of take. And uh, I think when you've seen that, it's quite, it can be quite difficult for me now sometimes to watch, say, a three or four-hander in a theatre where people are, it's got to be an exceptional story. If people are just whistling on and talking on the stage, and maybe it's the Irish thing, I need to have some music, I need to have some like sing-alongs, some kind of, you know, something that takes you away from just the spoken word. And so these shows, uh, I've sort of like decided at my age now, this is the only thing that I'm going to do. It's only been a decision I've made in the last year or two, because uh, I was very undecided about what I was going to, but after seeing theatre reaction and audience reaction, I'm finding it quite difficult to just uh, write other stuff. Now, the, as I mentioned before, it's been in the city before, Celtic the Musical. Mm. It's coming back from the, the 15th to the 24th of September. It's also a new venue, mm. Glasgow's SEC Armadillo, which will be exciting for, for the cast as well. You're also bringing the show up today because there's, even just since you were last in the city, a lot's happened at the club oh, as well. Yeah. A hell of a lot. I mean, you know, the first time, the last time we did the show, uh, Brendan Rodgers arrived, he's gone. 
there was quadruples, trebles, it's you name it. Uh, then we just had the, a slight interruption and then we went back to you know Celtic winning the league again. So there's a hell of a lot of stuff got to go in. But the difficult thing is, because people received the show so well last time, we've literally had to sit there with the script and go, ah, well, we'll take this out, we'll take this. And it's the hardest thing to do. I, I think I've said this before, but a book I read by a Celtic supporter was called Celtic in Nine Lives. And I found that book very, very helpful with this show because it sort of hung Celtic's history on nine different characters. Uh, but what I'm finding is it's very difficult to take any of those nine characters now out of the show or give them less of a part in the show because there was so much, you know, people like Willie Maley, how do you, you bring down what he's done? Because he was at the club so long. You know, and, and certain players like Jimmy McGrory for the goals he scored. You know, to, no one's ever going to score that many goals ever again. How do you take Jimmy McGrory's story out when you want a young person to hear that story, but you're trying to make space for trebles now? Because the show can only really be 45 minutes per act. We try to keep it to 45. Believe it or not, the Celtic show runs to 55 and 55. We're still trying to get it to 45, 45. But the history is condensed with so many trophies and so many ups and downs that it's 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 just the word I would use is extraction. It's very very hard to extract stuff. It's not putting stuff in. It's what you're going to extract. There's always stuff to put in. That's the the price of success, I suppose. It is, and look, there's there's nobody more. There isn't anybody more st successful than Celtic Football People can say, well, Rangers have won these, these trophies, or Liverpool have won those, Man United have won those trophies. Where Celtic are in a trophy-winning uh, level is, it's, it's, you know, it's unfathomable. Those trebles they won recently, they're already history. You know, and there's, there'd be clubs who'd be happy to win one Scottish treble. I mean, if you know one of those other clubs, I'm not going to name those clubs now, won one Scottish treble, That'll be their story forever. But Celtic literally won like three, four on the run. So, you know, it's endless, isn't it? The story's endless. And it's ongoing. Yeah, and one of the highlights for me when I've watched the show previously, there's always uh, surprise guests as well. You get some Celtic legends out. One of the ones who was one of the, the, the big names, the big characters, was obviously Bertie Old, who sadly, you know, is no longer with us. And, you know, he was such a part of the Celtic musical, you know, and I think the cast loved him, he obviously loved him as well, and he was part of that, that Celtic story. He, he totally was. Uh, I don't think I've ever met a more charismatic football man than Bertie Old. I, I literally uh, used to go beneath the, the stage in the, while the show was on and speak with him before he would go on stage, and he'd have me there half an hour, and I should have taped him because the stories he was telling me, and I probably told everybody, but they were just funny because he had a way of telling them. And uh, my memories of the last Celtic, sh uh, the musical, are mainly not just of the success of the show, speaking with Bertie, but also, so he's not here now. We, of course, we've got to put stuff in the show about him, but how much can we put in about Bertie? Because he's one of the lions. I mean, there's all the other lions, and, and we've we've lost a number of the lions in the last few years as well. You know, there's Stevie Chalmers, Billy McNeil. With a show that's only 45 minutes each act, it's very, very difficult to do the Celtic, the musical. That, sorry, the difficulty of, it's not difficult for content, the difficulty is what you take away. And obviously you're just taking a break from the start of rehearsals where the challenge is obviously to, to get this, hone this show into the, the two forty-five minutes. But I'm guessing this is, must be it for you 
to start working with the cast and, and seeing this come to life before it actually it gets on the stage at the SEC Armadillo, that must be a great part of, of your job as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and it's a really interesting part because you start to see things take shape anew. Uh, and even the beginnings, the, the foundations of Celtic Football Club, I, we literally could, we could stop the whole show, and, which people have loved, and rewrite a whole new different show with, of course, the obvious characters in the founding fathers, Brother Walfred, Willie Maley, you go through it, McGrory, you start to move forward and, and you know, you've got Billy McNeil, there's certain people you can't leave out, but we literally could write a whole new musical with those people in, but then you, the people haven't seen the show for about five years now, so you're thinking, well, it's a bit like you go to see a band do you want them to play the whole new album? And they're going, we didn't come to see this, we come to see the other stuff. So we're caught in a little bit of, of that at the moment. Yeah, well, as I said, if you if you have seen it before, you know how good the show is. If you haven't, you really have to, to go along. September the 15th, Thursday, September the 15th, to Saturday, September the 24th. 10 days, 13 shows, Glasgow's SEC Armadillo. Uh, there's evening and matinee performances. You can book them online if you go onto the SEC Armadillo website. Uh, you're guaranteed a great Celtic night. And if you're lucky, you might see this man floating about as well and you can go up and give him a, a pat on the back and tell him how good he's, he's done with the show. Ah, no thanks, Paul. It's, listen, it's an absolute pleasure to do this show. Thanks very much, Nick. No, thank you. Now, this is a very, very exciting week for the football club, Paul. We've got the big Champions League draw coming on Thursday. We've been building up to it all summer. We've been talking about it all summer. We're now getting round to it. How excited are you to find out who we're going to get in this Champions League group stage? Do you know, it's, it's that, that I, mean, I think for everyone, when the, the draw is made, I mean, I, I think the draw is at four o'clock Celtic Park time. That's when it starts. It'll probably be about seven o'clock the time we find out because... <laughs> There's all the kind of take forever, don't oh, they? Everything that goes around it, but actually, it's brilliant to be in it. And are you not complaining, are you? No, no, <laughs> it's it's just so exciting. And you know, over the years, we've been sitting in the office and watching the draw and the different teams you get. And it's that you know, as the the elite sides of Europe, and we're there because we always think that's where we should be anyway. So it's it's great just to see who you know. You look at some of the names that we could get that could be coming to Celtic Park. So yeah, absolutely, it's. it's Mouth yeah. Now we took to Twitter to ask you who you wanted to draw from each pot. So I'm going to run through the pots just now, the list of, of who is qualified already. There's still some teams that, that could come into it. So in pot one, we've got Real Madrid, Frankfurt, Man City, AC Milan, Bayern Munich, PSG, Porto and Ajax. In pot two, we've got Liverpool, Chelsea, Barcelona, Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, RB Leipzig and Tottenham. They all sound pretty good, don't they? And in pot three, we've got Borussia Dortmund, RB Salzburg, Shakhtar Donetsk, Inter, Napoli, Sporting Lisbon and Bayer Leverkusen. Now, in terms of what you voted for in pot one, this actually surprised me a little bit. I thought everybody was going to go for Real Madrid. It was a close call between Frankfurt and Real Madrid, but the majority of you voted for Porto for, for pot one. Must be thinking maybe trying to get a draw that we could... One of the teams in Port 1 we could maybe beat a little bit. bit I'm, better, I'm surprised. I'm surprised at that. I mean, because yeah. also it's, it's funny, like, whenever the draw has been made in the past, and if we draw Barcelona, everybody's like, oh, if I play Barcelona again, is yeah. it? You could ever tire of playing a team like that. But now for me, I mean, it's been so long since we played Real Madrid. That, that would be the dream draw for me, is, yeah. is to, to play them, to get them here. 
and then to go to, to the Birmingham yeah. and, and take them on. The European champions as well at the exactly. moment as well. So maybe people picking Porto try and get a little revenge from from back in 2003. I don't know, maybe. Um, but in terms of pot two, um, for what you went for, again, it was a close call with Chelsea coming in third, Sevilla coming in second, but Tottenham coming out on top. Well, funny, actually, when you were reading through the teams, I would choose Tottenham as well. Partly, well, two reasons. One is I'd love, love to go and just see that stadium. It looks, yeah. it looks absolutely stunning. But I think we'd have a chance against them. I mean, I think they are, they're a different proposition now under Antonio Conte. I think he's got them very well organised and they'd be difficult. But I, I, I'd certainly think here or, or, or down there we would have a, a chance. So, And also, I think there's always a nice wee... Scotland, England, bit of spice when we ever yeah. go. And uh, you know, if it wasn't Tottenham, I'd, I'd Liverpool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to get Chelsea. Yeah, no fancy a trip to Anfield. It's not be be quite good. Happy memories there. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think I if we've not we've not played Spurs in, in European competitions. Yeah. So I'd quite like to to have a go at them. Yeah, Liverpool are toiling as well, so we'd, we'd take care of them <laughs> easily. <laughs> and then in terms of pot three, uh, this was actually a bit of a landslide. The majority of you went for Sporting Lisbon. Is that maybe who you'd go for? Sort of Dortmunds, Inters, Sporting Lisbon's, Napoli. I would go for Dortmund again, yeah. just for the the whole yellow wall and that atmosphere. And I think, you know, I think certainly fans would generally enjoy trips to Germany. I think the German football culture is very fan orientated, very positive towards fans. The fans are, are very involved in the clubs, and so I think whenever Celtic fans have gone to play in Germany, I think they've enjoyed the experience. Of, of being over there, um, I think people have probably chosen Sporting Lisbon because of the because of the hoops. But yeah. obviously, we can't get Sporting Lisbon and Porto in the same group anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, I would I would like Dortmund. Yeah. In terms of what you actually want from the group in, in general, obviously went through the teams there. But do you want just pure glamour, or are you looking at it and thinking you might want a, maybe a team in pot one that might be a little bit easier to, to play against, or what what's your thinking? No, I would just go for. I want the group of death. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just feel that, you know, if you're in that this level of competition, and, and I think I think sometimes fans in general, particularly maybe in Scotland and England, can be quite guilty of if you get a team where you know, whether it's a say it's Eintracht Frankfurt as opposed to Real Madrid, you think, well, well, they're not as big, they're not as glamorous, so I will definitely beat them. And so it's different expectations. I would rather we tested ourselves against the very best. I, I, and I think, realistically, you know, you, you hope, you, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility to finish in the top two, but it's very tough, depending on who the group is. But you want to at least prolong your, your stay in Europe to try and get third. But I, I would just rather we played, played really top opposition, mm -hmm. because I think that's the best way that the team can test themselves and, and improve. You know, for me, I'd rather play Borussia Dortmund than Shakhtar Donetsk even if we think we've got a better chance of beating Shakhtar Donetsk. I just think the excitement of the game, you know, the, even the Celtic connections with Dortmund, with Modern McLeod and Paul Lambert, the, you know, the, the away trip going there and, yeah, and seeing that, I, I just, I would much rather have that. And if you were to beat one of them as well, just think about how exciting it would be here at Celtic Park, the atmosphere of the, the whole occasion, it would just be an amazing experience. I mean, it, so many people have been talking about Real Madrid as who they want. In terms of the team, is there any players that are out there at the moment who you'd love to see here at Celtic Park? We've obviously seen Messi here quite a few times, but is there anyone else that kind of comes to mind that you'd like to see? I suppose from a Real Madrid point of view, like a Modric. I mean, he's at the tail end of his career, although at the weekend I think he'd come on 
and inspired him to a four-one win. I think he's he's top quality. Um, I, there's not anybody who I think when you take these teams once they come and they, you see the, whoever it is the, the the quality of the players, then you, that's when you can appreciate that you've actually seen these players in in the flesh. So whoever whoever it is, I, you know, I, I still think here at Celtic Park and the way we play and, and the atmosphere that's generated, then I think we can give anyone a tough game and then you just hope as well when we go away. It's going to be a different dynamic because of just the way the manager wants the team to play that I think that can maybe, you would hope that would knock teams off a stride. I think the experience of last year will hopefully hold us in good stead as well. And You know, the longer we went on in that Europa League group, I thought we, we kind of got better and better as well. So you're hoping for, for something.